to JudgeCast. This is Sean Catanese, Sacramento, California, and Jose Boveda, Level 1, Sacramento, California. This is JudgeCast. Um, we talk about judging-related things for Magic the Gathering, of Magic the Gathering rules, tournament questions, all sorts of things. And today we have a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, tournament experience, things that have happened recently, things that will happen in the future for uh, members of our two-man host crew here right now. <laughs> Um, and also, Ricky's overseeing things from from afar. Uh, Do you ever so, feel a little bit like he's, he's always like, looking over our shoulders? Yeah, yeah. They're very Palpatine esque. I, I was about to say, a Sith Lord is is I think what he's shooting for anyway on his day to day interactions with other judges. So, uh, uh, like a splinter uh, cell. Uh, Sean, Sean, are you okay? Uh, sorry, I was being force choked by Ricky there. Um, you, okay. get, you did give away his plot. Okay. Well, yeah. That that plot spanned centuries. I have to see it every time you use the word <laughs> plot. Um, okay, so let's get into some of the some of the plans we have here. Uh, tournament stuff we want to talk about. Uh, Grand Prix Portland uh, Worlds coming up in December. Uh, both good things to talk about there. Um, also have some questions about the Pro Tour in general from a listener. So want to talk about those. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Um, well, we do have uh, our general rules questions. We'll go through sure. Um, and we have a horde of entries. Or our win Ricky's packs. In fact, yeah, that's that's probably. I think we have more entries for that contest than I think any other I've seen so far. Yeah, but I haven't worked out the proportion. Like we're giving away a lot more packs than we normally do. So yeah, but I think that really that really brought people out, and you know huh. we got a, we got a lot of great feedback uh, in the yeah. messages, of course, and they're just a lot of great stories that people gave us. I I, I feel really good uh, going through those. I mean, it, it feels bad that we have to give. Uh, you know, all the packs to one person because a lot of these people deserve it. Um, so yeah, we have we have that. Um, so do you want to? Where do you want to jump in first? Um, well, uh, we'll go in order. We uh, tournament stuff. Well, tournament okay, stuff. so not too long ago there was Grand Prix Portland, which is about the closest Grand Prix we've had aside from o- Oakland earlier. Right, this year. <laughs> <laughs> Oakland, right there in in JMO's backyard. Right, right. Um, possibly soon to be my own backyard also. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, yeah. Oakland there, um, but we had Portland just a couple weeks ago. What what happened there? Because I wasn't there. I was doing some work down in Southern California for my actual job job. Um, but I hear that you actually went. You were and at a up. spa resort uh, down there. I was doing work. My wife got to do the whole spa thing. They were actually filming a TV show at our at our hotel. Oh yeah, yeah. Some some show that I guess starts airing some undercover agents something or other. The Peruvian president was going to be assassinated in the courtyard of the hotel. That's all I remember. Um, anyway. and, and now our podcast is flagged by the FBI. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll just have to cut that part out. Yeah. Um, okay. We so, love Peru. They have, they have great food. Yeah, no, they do. They do. <clears throat> um, so, so yeah, that's where I was for Grand Prix Portland. But where were you? I was at Grand Prix Portland. Okay, so so did, were you judging? Uh, I was not judging. I was there as a civilian. And okay. it kind of threw people off because I went over to the judges' station and said hi uh-huh. to other judges. And and they kind of had this like blank look, like they didn't know who I was. They didn't without recognize the black you, shirt. Yeah, yeah, without the ninja suit. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I did see uh, uh some great people there. Of course, Jeff Morrow. Mm-hmm. Um, we just mentioned him. He was a uh, head judge for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, other judges that were there, Adam Shaw also. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a huge staff. On it was there. it was huge. But you know what? Um, they at the last minute. I wish I brought my duds because at the last minute they were taking anybody who had a judge shirt to come and help out. It well, was a huge event. I, I it was remember, much larger right? than they 
thought they were going to have. Which yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they can underestimate yeah. uh, Grand Prix. Lately, Grand Prix have been huge. I think there's been. You know, some talk about uh, sort of looking at the Grand Prix, kind of revising how they're run and, and how the mm-hmm. prizes are run. Because, I mean, the, the, the payout for the Grand Prix is woefully small now compared to the people that go. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, you know, you talked about turnout a little bit. I was, uh, I was privileged to talk to Tim Shields um, just before... Uh, you know, Tim Shields, organizer of Cascade Games, exactly. Right. Uh, he was the, you know, in charge of making sure the logistics went well for the pre-planning for um, Portland. And you know, he, he said he was planning on, you know, maybe a thousand players. Well, it, turnout increased beyond that by 40%. Yeah. I mean, he had almost 1,400 players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a massive, massive turnout. And um, I mean, yes, you have a dozen artists showing up. You had, you know, it's in the Pacific Northwest between Northern California and Washington, which are two massive player bases. Um, and it's an open event, not yeah. not an invitational event like a pro tour. So you have a lot of interest in people trying to make the big time by getting there. Um, it's just sort of the, that one of those doors to the gravy train to get onto all the other pro tours. I know mm-hmm. Matt Nass went up there when he only needed three points to make it to the you know get get a certain pro player's level, and he missed it by one of those three three pro points. So there are a lot of of good. Uh, stories that come out of that because it's sort of grassroots and pro tour kind of premier events. They all kind of coalesce in these sorts of Grand Prix. Yeah. Giant event though. Um, I think it's the largest one in history under a single head judge, if I yeah. remember correctly. Because the Grand Prix in Europe, when they get this big, they split them into two events, two flights, a green and a blue, and then they run them separately. Um, which I think you know may have may have worked if they had pre- prepared for it this way, but. That's just not what was going on. Yeah, I, and I walked up to uh, Jeff Morrow, who is the je- head judge, as I mentioned, and you know, I just said hi, and he's like, "Hi," you know, he had this <laughs> this look of of utter terror in his face. But you know, uh, at the end of it, you you could not tell anything uh, went wrong. I think it was run very smoothly, um, and there were and there were problems that came up. But I think uh, uh, Jeff mobilized everybody well, and the, uh, the logistics well. team for for an event like that is really to thank for for it running smoothly yeah um and uh, correct me if i'm wrong i believe that was john alder for running those now i don't have I, we don't have the internet's up and running here but if it was not john alder for i will uh apologize to him profusely for misattributing his mastery and, uh, we'll, <laughs> you're, we'll you're basically out. complimenting him i'm sure he's not going to come back yeah. to you but, so, but uh, if it's not him we'll find the name right yeah. So um, um, so that was Portland, but what else happened at Portland? Well, uh, I, I like I said, I was a civilian, and I played in the uh, uh, GP there. There was almost 1,400 people, as you said, mm-hmm. and um, I went 4-3, uh, misbuilt my deck uh, a little bit. I think that led to the to the game losses. I was there with uh, uh, my girlfriend, of course. She also played. At the first round, actually, she this is an interesting judge call. It's worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, calls over a judge uh, before the first round starts. Um, she had not presented her deck yet, um, but called over a judge because she counts 39 cards, and she doesn't know what the, the 40th card is. Right. So she called over a judge and asked to see the uh, deck list because she didn't know what, what it was. Uh, the judge, I think, misinterpreted that she had presented a 39-card deck mm-hmm. um, and gave her a game loss for, uh, um, you know, deck, deck, deck problems. Yeah, yeah, deck problem. Uh, so she started her tournament that way. She came to me and told me that because I, I had texted her before the event telling her, check your deck list. 
double check your deck list, double check what you're <laughs> registering. This is the dumbest way to get a game loss because it has nothing to do with the game. Right. You know, um, it is it is losing before you you start, and it's it's kind of sad. Yeah. So um, what had actually happened there? Had uh, was she missing a card? She she was missing two cards. She was missing two lands. Um, so okay, that's so, what so happened. Was were those on the list, or was the they, list actually wrong? No, they, they, the list was wrong. So it ended oh, okay. up being okay. Um, but that was that was one of those things that like if people, it could it, it's kind of sketchy. It could go either way on that. Right, because you're at the beginning of a very large event. So yeah. stopping the event, you know, stopping the people who are doing the counts of the deck lists. I mean, but at that point, unless they've done a really really good job of seating everybody alphabetically and collecting the lists very very well, um, getting somebody's list right before round one starts. It was impossible. Yeah, and so getting them that list to have them check against it, that's just not something you can do. Right. Um, so, I mean, the, the next best thing is to ask them, okay, well, you need to present a legal deck, right. and it needs to be the same as on your list. If you think there's a problem between the two, we can check that, but we need, I mean, we need to get the, the game. The, yeah, the show must go on. And she she knew that. She knew that she had to, after she counted 39... Um, she knew that she had to put in extra land, but she called a judge over just to make sure. Right, so now the, giving her the game loss for that is really what the issue is. Right, right. And and it ended up not being an issue because, again, she, she registered 39. But it is one thing that I think people should be careful about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because the, the entire PTQ season for the next three months here is going to be sealed. Yeah. The way you get to Paris is to play in a sealed PTQ. Right. Um, so, yeah, sealed decks. I mean, I'm going to be counting... You know, we've got two PTQs here at Great Escape um, in the next uh, month or so, uh, one on October 16th and one on November 6th. Um, and then there's other ones in the area, too. Uh, there, you've got a lot of those coming up. So, right. so I can definitely see that, uh, that being, being the case where people are going to make this mistake. Right. Um, okay, so that's, mm-hmm. that's one part of how Portland went for you. Sunday, um, you know, I went 4-3 in the GP, so I didn't quite get my sealed fix. Yeah, uh, I had a flight going out Sunday um, at seven forty p.m. So, um, so I look around to see what the uh, sealed events are, and there's only one, the PTQ. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, well, whatever, I'll play in the PTQ. And um, you know, once I start scrubbing out, of course, it's a PTQ. I'm going to scrub out, and then you'll make your flight for the evening. And, and then I'll just... make my flight for the evening. It was fine, um, but I actually uh, ended up getting second place at that PTQ. And when did you finish that PTQ? Uh, it was almost 1 a.m. Okay. So the venue had closed and kicked you out into the bar, I take it. The venue had closed and kicked us out to the bar. And I got some stories. I don't know if I told you this one. So no, no, no. To, well, our listeners certainly haven't heard it. So go for it. Okay. Well, um, so for, well, first off, you got second place. So congratulations. I'm sorry you only walked away with a box and not an invite to Paris. But it was fine because the guy, the finals guy that I played against really wanted the Pro Tour invite. Me, I wanted the Paris trip. Mm-hmm. Pro Tour Paris is happening on Valentine's Day. So, right, so you want to take your girlfriend, you want it to be a big... Yeah, I can see. That's that. why I was playing. Right, right, right. Um, so so once once I started doing well, I thought, oh, this would be a nice right. Valentine's Day. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, it was not to be. So it's, I mean, this is a... You, you spent probably a good, you know, 36 hours of the course of the weekend playing Magic or, yeah. or doing things like that. There were, there were, a, lot of, there were a lot of great artists there. Um, uh, at the uh, GP, and I got to get a bunch of stuff signed uh, with them. And one that I really sat down with was Pete Ventures. So uh, it's funny because in the top eight, when I was building my deck, you know who was at that bar? P. 
Pete Ventures. He was at the bar sitting there right next to me as I was building my, my top eight draft deck. Pete Venters, the illustrious <laughs> artist for Magic cards, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was pretty cool to to have him as sort of a front row at, at a bar while we <laughs> while we drank. Uh, of course, it was a bar, and you know, Watsi rules. No one can have any alcoholic beverages. So. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. and and actually, you had this is one of the reasons that the artists mean a little bit more to you. I don't know if our listeners are aware. But you you aspired to be an artist for magic in in your in your history. Oh yeah, yeah. I, you, you, I you're trained as an artist. You 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 know these the the work of these these artists not just as a fan of magic but as a fan of art. Yes, I I went to college to be an illustrator. Um, I'm just you know fascinated by the work that uh, goes into this. This is really one of the largest uh, uh, venues for fantasy art that exists today. So. Um, you know, the distribution of magic is huge. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it, this was, of course, you know, number one on my list um, to work for them. So, so you <clears> got, <throat> to, got to watch Pete Venters get his drink on. Yeah, Pete Venters get his drink on. So that was pretty cool. Um, a couple stories. Uh, uh, this one is of interest to uh, our listeners as well. Um, I was, uh, I think, a 4-0 or 5-0. Uh, my round five or six opponent, uh, we split games. Our first game was, uh, went really long. Um, so we played pretty fast through to the second game and I won the second game. So we go into game three, neither of us want the, uh, the draw on the, right. the record. So we're playing pretty fast. Um, it's uh, turn four. I, I, uh, tap four and I cast four C. Mm-hmm. I pull the top four cards in my deck and I see utter gas there. I, uh, put them all on top. I draw my two cards. I'm very happy with what's coming up next. So I pass to him, he, uh, say go he untaps, draws, and he has a Jace Bellerin on mm-hmm. the field. So he says, each player draw a card. I take two cards off the top of my deck <laughs> in 4C thinking right, and put them in my hand. And I'm like, oh. Right, because that's drawing extra cards. PTQ is a competitive rules enforcement level event. That's the, a game loss. That's a game loss. The worst part is that uh, I had the two in my hand. And when I realized what I had done, instead of, this is what I should have done. So listeners take heed. Instead of just putting them down on the table uh-huh. and calling the judge, so yeah. it would be looking at extra cards. Right. I, you know, sort of like in my own version of face palming, I grouped all the cards together in my hand, yeah. slapped my forehead, and that's that's what actually. Right. And and to be more more distinct for our listeners here, the reason is that one the cards, as long as they're uniquely identifiable, um, as you know, the cards that you are drawing at separate from the cards that are in your hand until you actually bring your hands together or put the cards into those cards in your hand or somehow make it indistinguishable. There's a little bit of a window there for you to look at, Oh, you know, set them down. And and then, and then that's only looking at extra cards, which is a warning. Yeah. So, um, because it's uniquely identifiable, especially if you're going to be calling yourself, you know, calling a judge on yourself for this sort of infraction. Now, in your case, because you had mixed the cards together, they weren't distinguishable. There wasn't any way that even though you did call a judge on yourself, yeah. there's no way you can get out of that. And it's still going to be a game. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, to- totally punted uh, that one. I apologize to my opponent for not, you know, for, for sort of punting the third game because we were having some good games, you know, giving him a run for the money. Right. When that's, um, it seems like the, that um, you overall, it seems like you had a good time where you were actually playing against people that were. Fair. Yeah, you're right. This is something that's worth mentioning. Uh, at this PTQ, which was a, a big PTQ, it was 270 some players. Right. Which is, I mean, around here we get 180. 180- 80 on a on a pretty decent yeah. sized PTQ. There were a lot 
lot of players there, and every single one of my opponents was uh, gracious, played tight, um, was pleasant, shook my hand, and used themselves. It was really like if people are worried about PTQs, I'm not going to say that every PTQ uh, uh, is this experience, Mm -hmm. but I had a great set of opponents uh, the entire night. And, you know, that made it a pleasure to play in. Well, good. Good. I'm glad that that happened for you. Another story. Um, at this point, that was the only game I lost in the Swiss. Mm-hmm. was punting it. So the only match drawing. you lost. The only match, right. Um, the only match I lost in the Swiss was punting it to drawing extra cards. So I go into round nine at seven and one. Um, and my opponent sits out across from me. I, hey, what place are you? And I'm like, oh, well, I, I think I'm sixth. And he's like, oh, I'm fifth. We can just ID. And, you know, this ID thing uh, going into top eight. Uh, yeah, really... intentional draws are tricky. And, and a lot of players, especially the ones that don't find themselves in the top eight a whole lot, um, you know, have this aversion to them because there's this feeling of like, well, I'm not really earning my birth there anymore. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm, I'm getting there by not playing a game. Right. How does, how does that sit well? And it, it's that, that dichotomy of, of, well, the other side of it is, You've won all your previous rounds, or so many of your previous rounds that you you've earned that, and right. and it's a you know that's a the right to be able to ID right. So that's a that's <clears> a tough um, yeah it, that's a it's a tough call. And then also there's always that awkward discussion of when somebody initiates this discussion, um, making sure there's no quid pro quo involved, making sure that there's no collusion. Right. Um, outside assistance can come into it frequently, where another player tries to. Help, yeah, help push, them decide, push, yeah. you know, well, your breakers are this, your breakers are that. That still gets into gray areas. Um, yeah. So it's, it's uh, yeah, that's definitely a, a tricky situation. Right. So it, did you end up IDing? I, I did end up IDing, but, you know, the entire time. Uh, so I ID'd. I had a couple friends there, so we just went to play uh, EDH. And oh, good times. Around. Good times. Um, but in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, wow, if I ID and for some reason, you know, something happens where I'm ninth, I'm gonna hate myself. Right. I'm gonna hate I, yeah. The, that fact. Drawing into ninth is the is one of the worst feelings. I'm sure right. that that you would get because you've worked so hard up until that point. Yeah. So and and by this point, I had already missed my flight. So I'm like, well, you know, that that would be bad. Right. You're already facing your midnight drive back home. It's much better to have that with ten hours to Sacramento. Right. That's yeah. that's a long way to have you know your own bad company. Yeah. Because you uh you punted that decision. <laughs> but it was it was uh it was uh to be my night uh got seventh and went into the top eight. Now, my friends were joking around and they said, this guy that you ID'd with, he's the one he's that's going to knock you out of the, <laughs> of the top eight. So mm-hmm. I went into the top eight draft thinking that. And the top eight draft was awesome. Obviously, Pete Ventures was there right, urging right. me on, I felt, you know, in spirit. <laughs> he said he remembered me from the judge booth because we sat there and we talked for a long time. Uh-huh. Um, you know, obviously I know a lot about the art of the thing and I, and I've been playing the game a long time. So I know a lot of the history, mm-hmm. uh, Pete Ventures has been there, uh, you know, from the beginning, he was there playtesting uh, the game. So that was cool that he remembered me. So I felt like, you know, the spirits were my favorite. My quarterfinal opponent was the guy that I punted the game to. Oh, with the drawing extra cards. Drawing extra cards. Okay, so, so, I, so you, you, you redeemed yourself. I redeemed myself. We had some great games, and he just, you know, he fell to my awful red, blue, splash, white, monstrosity running 
alluring siren main and uh-huh. yeah it was it was a pretty bad deck it does sound like a bad deck it, it does but hey you know girl thief and thunderstrike that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> um clone was a champion in that game too and and my semi-final round opponent was mm-hmm. a guy i deed with and so so you actually got to reverse that that fate that everybody was expecting yeah and that, that was that was a, a personal personally good moment he was playing a pretty vicious white blue deck with a Mess of flyers, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Some... But the draft deck in white blue flyers is pretty good. Yeah. So he, yeah. he got to get that and he was splashing red for something. I don't, I never saw what it was, but if he's splashing red, it was probably something bad. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> usually a fireball or two. Yeah. So, so definitely he, he had a better draft deck, but I just uh, sort of, uh, I, I think my play was as good as it could be um, at that moment. So it was, it was a very good opponent, but, uh, but I was firing on all cylinders. Good, good. So you took second, so didn't pull off the final match, but it sounds like uh, you had an awesome time in Portland. Really, really, you know, got your money's worth, got your time's worth for going up there. Um, Really, really felt like it it was a good time. Yep. The only thing I regret, Mm -hmm. the one thing I really regret, is Mark Tedden was there. And his line was always so long. And you didn't get him to sign your entire EDH deck? He was there, like, the entire time. Eight ten hours a day, signing stuff. He was altering cards just for the hell of it. But I just the line was too long, and I had too much stuff for him to sign. So it, it was unfortunate. That was one of my goals mm-hmm. uh, was to do that. And rumors that Anson Maddox was there, so I pulled out all these cards for Anson Maddox. He I did not show. see him at all. Oh. Uh, the the hunt continues. So that's Portland. Now there are a ton. We talked a little bit about what's coming up uh, here. Yeah, Great Escape, we've got a couple PTQs, mm-hmm. uh, but between those, October 9th is State Champs, and this year, it's alternated up to Northern California instead of Southern California. Wahoo! That's right. Uh, it's Glenn Goddard and Sun Mesa events. They're running that event, um, and that's, I think, really, really awesome to see them. I mean, you know, up here, it's our same PTO that we have for our, our approach qualifiers, Conan Blackwell and Match Play, uh, but they're running stuff up here um, for State's. Here and and it's not the wizards sanctioned sort of I think the, those national qualifiers now. Instead, this is an independent run run event series. Um, you know, premier tournament organizers from around the country are participating. It's it's a really good time. So at standard also, you know, some people don't get their standard fix, especially when all the PTQs are sealed. Right. Um, and it's also just you know just a week after a new set is actually got its release date. So you've got you know all of shards block rotating out and you've got all this other stuff coming in um you know the archetypes the metagame will be really fresh and interesting i think it'd be a great time so looking forward to that yep um will you, will you be running that? um i won't be the head judge of it of course uh, i think that'll probably be somebody like uh jeff morrow someone else like that i will be here staffing it though okay. um and i'm hoping that you'll be here too as far as I know, I will be available, and I would love to uh, help out. Now, there is one of the PTQs, hopefully this season, here at Great Escape, that I will be head judging. Um, but I don't know which one of those it will be, either the 16th or the 6th. Um, so we'll, we'll see that, too. Um, it be a new experience for me, head judging a PTQ. I mean, I've head judged large, large-ish events, but nothing that big before. So, right. um, so we've got that. Um, but we've also got other tournament stuff going on. This is an opportunity for me to say thank you to all of you um, listeners, um, and especially you, Jose, also. Uh, because without your involvement in this podcast and without our listeners giving us these questions, giving us the, the drive to come back every week and do more of this, 
um, I would not be going to Japan for worlds. Yeah, um, I was uh, very uh, humbled and, and gratified, lucky also, I think, to a certain extent. But um, I think also it's through a lot of hard work, but because we get good listeners who are actually really interested in seeing us you know, succeed here, yeah, I'm, I'll be going to Japan. Uh, full sponsorship for it from Hasbro. So yeah. that's that's awesome. I uh, just got that announcement uh, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago here, and uh, there are a lot. There are a lot of really good judges out there that applied, and the staff. I mean, looking at the list, um, there are a ton of. I mean, it is it is going to be a great opportunity to work with some of the highest level judges in the game, um, and some of the greatest uh, mentors and learning opportunities I can have. Um, that said, there's also another aspect of it, and that is that I'll be bringing this recording rig over there with me. You're morally <laughs> obligated to bring that recording rig over there with you. Yes. So wait, uh, isn't there isn't there somebody else that we know going? Uh, you know, I can't. I don't believe in coincidence, Sean. Oh yeah. You know, you got sponsorship. Ricky's also going. I think what we'll do is we'll have a special Japanese version of JudgeCast. Arigato gozaimasu. Right. <laughs> and and it'll actually be. Everything I say in English, Ricky can say in Japanese, and that way we can get our Japanese listeners in on it, and we can have you know we can really have a good interaction. It'll be a spectacular time. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to uh, to that uh, the material to come out of there. Yeah. Um, and I am extremely extremely happy that you got that sponsorship. Yeah, and it's not only for JudgeCast that I've gotten. I think there's other things that I've been working on in the community and trying to trying to contribute to but i mean it's really an awesome opportunity and i'm really glad to have it and i know that i wouldn't have it uh were it not for our listeners and for you and for this program so thank you very much so what do you say we get into some actual some of the things that our listeners have sent us yeah yeah that sounds good okay i'm sure listeners didn't didn't tune in to listen to they really want the banter right but they don't want us to talk about ourselves all day so that's true all right so uh let's go into some questions and then we'll go into the contest and then we also have a new contest that we'll be announcing toward the end of the podcast yeah absolutely we we love giving stuff away for free well especially when we get it for free that's also cool so um, so this, this question uh, comes from Joel from Hertfordshire in England, or Hertfordshire, or however you want to pronounce from it. From the Shire. Of Hertford, yes. From a Shire. A, 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 a variety of Shires. Uh, Joel has a couple questions, and first off, he's qualified for the Pro Tour for the first time, and he's headed to Paris in February. Hey, oh, you were almost qualified. I was almost there. That's right. Um, so, you know, there's definitely... Uh, he wants to know about the expectations that he's going to be subject to while he's there um, in terms of his rules knowledge, that sort of thing. Uh, for instance, he's heard about things like he needs to sufficiently randomize his opponent's deck, um, but he's sure there are other things and he could learn a lot. Um, so recommendations on preparing for that in mind. Well, I would love to answer that question, but I've never been to the Pro Tour. Well, but you've read the IPG. But yeah, I, uh, that's true. And that's really where we as judges can contribute to this. Um, in preparing for this, you you don't need to necessarily, as a player, read the infraction procedures guidelines or read anything like that. It's but if you do want to um, understand what's expected of you, I think a good place to start is understanding if you screw up in a certain way, what will happen. Yes, don't screw up like I did. Right. So drawing extra cards—that's a game loss in professional and and in competitive. Now, if we also want to talk about, so you, I would suggest reading the IPG, but with that in mind. Now, there's also a, a section of the IPG, the Infraction Procedures Guidelines, 
it basically explains the difference between what's expected at the professional rules enforcement level. Right. Um, and it means that basically they hold you to what you say. That's that's probably the biggest difference from one to the other. If, if you intend to do something and to perform an action and you don't actually perform it that way, um, well, that we have a little bit more of an understanding about order sequencing and how things will actually work. Um, but at professional, we're actually going to make you do it the right way and right. make you play the game as it's supposed to be played with the rules in mind. Um, and they're a little less flexible in that regard. So, and, and we did have that great talk with Toby, one of our previous right, podcasts. And that's, a, that's a great, great place to, to look for it, um, definitely. Yeah, that's, uh, that was episode 18, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's a good one for Joel to check out because we have a, a, a talk there. About Absolutely, the, that, that we'll go into that in a little bit more depth there. So he also wants to know if there's a website for advice for people going going to the pro tour for the first time in terms of arranging travel accommodation. Uh, that's all at the Wizard site um, for the, the actual pro tour itself. Um, just click around to the links inside that pro tour webpage, and you'll find you know where the hotels are and all that sort of thing. Um, if you're actually being sponsored for your, your hotels, um, that sort of thing. Uh, Hasbro Wizards will be in touch with you back and forth, and if you don't hear from them, get in touch with them and just go through the customer service lines, and they'll be able to work that out for you. Um, so that's that's you know his his pro tour related questions. Joel has a couple other questions that he wants to talk about too. Um, let me just read these directly, and then you can talk to talk about the answers to them. So. Um, I realize I'm putting you on the spot here because I didn't give you a chance to read these ahead of time. But I think this is – I think you'll be able That's to okay. answer That's okay. I never right. read this stuff ahead of time. All right. So Joel asks, I think it's possible for a player to retain priority once a planeswalker comes into play. Activating a loyalty ability such that his or her opponent cannot respond to it before the planeswalker's ability resolves. If this is correct and if so, uh, how should this be articulated? Well, that, not that way. That, that's right. a. I think the way he worded that kind of hints at, at a slight misunderstanding of, it does. Uh, of uh, what's going on there. Um, it's not that he needs to retain priority. Uh, he'll play his Planeswalker, and he will gladly give up priority with the Planeswalker on the stack. His opponent will look at it and go, not Jace again, and, <laughs> and pass priority back where uh-huh. Jace will, or any Planeswalker will resolve and hit the field. At that point... He gains priority again. You know, because st- he's the, the active player. Exactly. He's the active player, state-based actions check, and then he gets uh, his priority back. So at this point, his opponent has to sit there with bated breath while he performs an action. Either now, and, and that could be nothing in just passing priority, or it can be actually activating a Planeswalker's ability. Right. So if you want to have your Jace avoid a lightning bolt to the face... Mm-hmm. Um, probably the next thing he does is activate one of those uh, abilities on the Planeswalker. Now, paying the cost is altering the loyalty counters. Right. Adding or taking away loyalty is the cost to activate the ability. Yeah. That happens uh, faster than people can respond to. That happens as part of your announcement of your ability. So um, you can do the plus two and go to Fate Seal, and as soon as you do that... Well, and, and you know, so, so that puts the paying the ability activation cost. Right puts the ability on the stack, and before it resolves, both players have to pass priority and have the opportunity to do stuff. Right. So that's where we get into right. 
you know, you can then do things to stop that ability from happening. Stifle, for instance, or some other thing like that. You, you can do things like that. Right. You can change but, what, what happens with that ability. Right. But st- what Stifle will not do, and cards of that type, is undo any of the loyalty counter changes that you've done. Right. That is, because that you, is a cost, you, and that is that is already done. You right. paid it. Just, just like a counter spell won't stop you from, it won't get you won't. your creature back after you fling it at somebody. Right. Because f- sacrificing a creature is part of the activation cost. It won't get your mana back. It's actually part of the cost of pay. Right. Uh, so, so, so uh, it sounds like what he wants to do is play his planeswalker and bump it out of direct damage range or whatever mm-hmm. before his opponent can do that, and he is totally capable of doing that. However, keep in mind that after your planeswalker resolves, if the next thing you do is not change those loyalty counters, you're you're giving your opponent the chance to do that. If the next thing you do is say, "Oh, and also I'm going to play a wall of omens." Then your opponent, then your opponent is free to go. Oh, that's cool! Lightning bolt your Jace. Right, and that's so. bad. Bad timing on your part. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I think we've resolved that pretty well. Um, so, Joel has one last question, and that he that is he wants to know: Do judges get do we get stuff beyond packs, judge foils, and sometimes travel room at higher level events, uh, such as or I'm sorry, at higher levels such as three or higher. I think there should be at these levels because it appears to be akin to a part-time or even full-time job. I've gotten packs once. <laughs> yeah, you get packs for working usually, um, you know, usually working at a uh, at a PTQ or something like that. You know, normally the organizer will give you some packs at the end of the day. Um, usually, it's a box. Usually for a, one day, or if it's a really hard day that you've worked a lot on, uh, some organizers have been known to be more generous than that. Um, also, Grand Prix usually the payout is a box per day, give or take, uh, of the actual day that you work. Uh, when you work for a premier event like a Pro Tour, they only give you one box for the whole event um, as a judge. Um, but also at Grand Prix, Pro Tours, also at uh, the uh, Star City Opens, for instance, uh, other events like that, um, they, Wizards will also um, provide the judge foil packets that are basically gifts from the wizards as a thank you for volunteering for the event um, and, and taking that on. Um, and that's, uh, you know, you get those at most of the premier events and they vary, um, you know, the uh, opens like the Star City Games ones, that's usually uh, about half the size of what you would get at, say, a Grand Prix or something like that or, or a Pro Tour. Um, so that's, but you still do get uh, those foils. Um, and then also um, judges get um, for every level of judge that you are, you get an extra little two-card packet of player rewards cards when those get mailed out. Yeah, you get travel and stuff for high-level events. I mean, so, I'm an example of that, right? right? The worlds, I'm getting sponsorship. Uh, yeah, but, the, but uh, the sponsorship for that was there, there was very few, obviously. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Trip, I mean, to, it was, trip to Japan is, is pricey, so there was very few. So it's a great thing that you got. There were about again. 90 people that applied for it and only about 25 slots. Right. Uh, for sponsorship. Now, beyond that, um, there are a number of judges that are volunteering for Worlds. Right. And they're not just the locals in Japan. There are, I mean, Eric Levine, level two from San Jose, he will be at Worlds. He's, he's, he's volunteering to go there. I mean, that's huge. It's a huge commitment on his part. Um, and, and I could definitely see that it is sort of like a part-time job. I mean, granted, he gets to be in Japan. He gets to spend some time there. He gets to, you know, see the sites and be with friends and see the world with his friends. Uh, just like I will, but right. it, it, I mean that's a huge commitment on his part. Yeah. So that's uh, by all means that that I mean now for the higher level judges at levels four and five, it, it can actually look a lot like a part time job. 
Um, I mean, look at Adam Shaw and what he's done with BCI family. Um, look at, you know, all the level fives and what they do for, you know, Toby with the policy documents, all the level fours and others that contribute level threes too, that contribute to, um, policy and, 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 um, you know, higher level administration of, of the actual program, um, you know, testing, advancement, um, online content, all sorts of things like that. It can definitely start to look like a part-time job. Right. So, but the question is, do they get paid for it? Not really. Yeah, I mean, that's, you get appreciation. You from get appreciation, the and that's really like you said. The you said the key word many times: volunteering. Yeah, you know, next time that players are out there and they're seeing a judge hustling from judge call to judge call, pulling yeah. out chairs, picking up trash, doing oh, all yeah. that stuff, they're they're doing it because they're they're volunteering to do right. This. And it's a lot of us do this for love of the game. I mean, yes, there is some compensation, but it's not it's not something you can make a living doing. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, granted, the pro tour itself is not something that most players make a living doing that are on the tour. Even. You know, a lot of them will go into poker for their actual earnings. Right. Um, but yeah, that's something that, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a lot of us do it, but, uh, and, and spend a lot of time and a lot of hours doing this. Um, just ask my wife, she would tell <laughs> you. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's something that we, we definitely, uh, definitely spend a lot of time with. Yep. And, uh, and sometimes judges, uh, with their winnings go and give it away for some reason on podcasts. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Well, okay. We'll get into that. (laughs) Um, so let's see. Um, oh, before we go on to the other, other questions here, I need to give a shout out. Shout out to Eric from St. Louis, Mr. Suitcase. Um, Mr. Suitcase, you met Mr. Suitcase? I, you know, I neglected to mention this, but I actually spent a fair bit of time with Eric. Um, that Mr. is Suitcase. that is awesome. I'm a big fan. I, yeah, I, and and yeah, he he runs a great show. Um, and I spent a fair bit of time with him at the uh, StarCityGames.com Denver Open. Um, we actually sat down in, in round five of the Legacy Tournament on GGS Live to talk about stuff there, talk about how the tournament was going. Spent a lot of time with him there, and we, he, he and I also met on the bus, uh, <laughs> going from the airport to the hotel. Um, and so, you know, introduced myself, and, and uh, he asked, you know, he asked uh, by way of introduction, "Do you play Magic?" I said, "No, I judge." And, and he, he heard my voice. He was like, "Oh, are you you Sean from Judge?" You know, we and we talked quite a bit. Uh, you know, he's a great guy, and I neglected to give him a shout out uh, on our last cast there. So I, I wanted to rectify that here. Man, you neglected to tell me. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. He's a awesome guy. So let's move on to a couple of the other questions we have here. Um, let's see. Daniel uh, wants to ask uh, – he has two rules questions. Um, one's a real corner case sort of thing. But I wanted to talk a little bit about another one that seems like a corner case, but it's it's a, such a wacky interaction that it's it's fun. And that, uh, the question is – You're not going to require me to get this right, are you, then? Oh no 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 no! I but I I want you to to, to consider this. Consider okay. what what works here. Um, the question is: If I cast Quicken at the end of my opponent's turn, Quicken's the the card that says uh, draw a card, right. and the next you can play a sorcery. Yeah. Uh, the next sorcery you play can be played as though it had flash, basically. Right. Um, if I play Quicken in my opponent's end step, am I then able to suspend ancestral visions? Since it would have been legal to cast Ancestral Vision, if I am able to suspend it, can I then actually cast a sorcery since I have not yet used Quicken's effect? That, that, that one's kind of a strange one, yeah. Um, suspend is not a sorcery. No, suspend, S- suspending is actually a special action. Yeah. 
Um, and and, and uh, so go go go, on, go ahead. And, no, I was gonna. Uh, you, you feel free. Go <laughs> okay. ahead. Well, and so this is this is a, a sort of a weird interaction, and luckily we're not going to see this very much in tournaments because. Um, it's kind of a difficult thing that we're always going to get a judge call on when it happens. Legacy, you'll probably see this if people start playing with ancestral visions, um, but and quicken, um, but uh, or say leyline of anticipation. Um, basically, if leyline um, of shenanigans, right? Um, because it's, the way suspend works is that the actual action of suspending it um, is sort of like a replacement effect. It's actually a special action. Um, and it, special action. Another example of a special action is something like morph. Morph. It's yeah. not. It's it's something that doesn't use the stack, but you can only do it when you have priority. Right. Okay. Kind of like playing a land. <laughs> right. Playing land is a special action. Also, so suspending a card is a special action. And let's actually read the specific wording in the comp rules for suspend. Suspend is a keyword that represents three abilities. First is a static ability while the, that functions while the card with suspend is in a player's hand. The second and third are triggered abilities that function in the exile zone. So this is the first one is the one we're talking about here. How do you get it suspended? Right. So suspend. How do you get suspended? Right. Suspend. <laughs> suspend with a number and a cost means that if you could begin to cast this card by putting it onto the stack from your hand, you may pay the cost and exile it with so many time counters on it. This action doesn't use the stack. That whole bit of wording there means that if he's played Quicken, he could begin to cast Ancestral Visions by putting the card on the stack. It's a sorcery. So what you're saying is that he can indeed suspend the card right. at the end of his opponent's turn yes. via Quicken. Yes. He can then play a sorcery because he hasn't cast one yet. And Quicken, Quicken still says, I'm waiting for you to cast a sorcery, dude. I think. Uh, now, how crazy is that? That is the coolest thing I have ever heard. Yeah, that's that's a he pretty. Just, he just broke magic wide open. I think that's it's an interesting way that the rules are worded. Uh, you can find a, a specific wording is also on this if you look in Gatherer for Quicken and look at the official rulings there. Um, but yeah, that's that's how that works. That is awesome. So you can Scouts Warning a Greater Gargadon and cast your whatever Tarmogoy. Uh, let's see, Scouts Warning does that use Quicken for creatures? Oh, that's right. That's Quicken for creatures. Right. Scouts Warning a Greater Gargadon. Oh my God! Yes. And I then play your Tarmogoy. I see what you're saying. Without looking into those cards specifically, yeah, that sounds like it works. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Okay. I found my new deck. Okay. While oh. while while Time Spiral is still <laughs> in extended for the next two days. Or <laughs> okay. That is awesome. That is a cool rules interaction. So let's move on to Waylor. I know that's a weird name, but Waylor is the name that he gave us. Okay, Waylor from <clears throat> Waylor. He doesn't say where he's from, so he's probably way far away. Way far away um, from Istanbul. Uh, from Istanbul, not Constantinople. You know, Istanbul was Constantinople uh, that's a, a long time ago until, until the Turks got a hold of it. Yep. Okay. So um, Waylor wants to know. What is the quickest way to irritate a judge? That is a great question. In fact, I would love to hear about this. From other judges? From other judges. Okay. I mean, you, it, judges, you know where to contact us. Well, but I'll, I'll catch it anyway. Yeah, judgecast at gmail.com. Our Tell Facebook page. Our Facebook page also. And, uh, of course, in the comments at mtgcast and Nation. Absolutely. Uh, so. It's com and mtgcast to there. But find us on mtgcast. Find us on Nation. That's probably where you're hearing one of these right now. So Tell us what annoys you. As a judge. As a judge. 
as a judge. So, um, but but for you, what's what, what's the answer to that question? Um, as a judge, I think the thing that annoys me is when uh, people are sort of um, belligerent. This doesn't happen very often, but you know, when there's a judge call, a judge is there to help people, mm-hmm. and sometimes. I think that players might be annoyed that a judge was called. Maybe they were either A, trying to get away with something and hate that a judge is there to set things right, or B, they think that something works a certain way and, oh, why are you calling a judge upon, mm-hmm. uh, on this? So I think that that sort of negative attitude towards calling a judge is detrimental. Mm-hmm. Judges are there to help. So, you know, call a judge whenever there's something that does not sound right. So the quickest way to irritate you, going back to the question, how how would I irritate you, Jose? Uh, How would you irritate (laughs) me? Um, Aside from interrupting you. uh, The the way you would irritate me, I think, is just when you're doing the interview being unhelpful or unresponsive. Okay. Because, of course, if you're not following a judge's directions or any of that, that's penalties in and of itself. Oh, of course, of course. I think the quickest way to irritate me, um, calling me over to look for slow play and, and using me as a cudgel against your opponent. Um, you know, there, there, there is a, there is, it's fine to call me over to look for slow play. That's fine. I, I, but please understand that when I do that, it's as likely that I will give you a warning for slow play as it is that I will give your opponent one for slow play. Um, and also, I think the, the quickest way to irritate me also is to give me a, a feeling that you're trying to uh, use my presence to manipulate how you interact yeah. with, with another player. I think the biggest example of this was um, at the end of day one of Grand Prix Oakland. Uh, we had two players that were just toward the end of their last match and they were clearly going to go to a draw and they were kind of playing this game of chicken of who would concede to the other and both players were kind of being dicks about it one more so more so than the other but they were kind of you know and and the whole time they're becoming the last match playing we want to get this you know round over this day over i was tired at the end of a long day but what i really was looking for was a simple peaceful resolution and not this this issue of saying okay well you're your match is over, but you're not completing the, the slip like we're asking you to. You know, you either get into slow play or you get into, um, you know, failing to follow a direct instruction, which is unsporting, con- yeah. it's unsporting conduct. Um, and, and really, so that's, that's, that's a good one. Uh, using, using a judge to sort of manipulate the integrity of the game, that's definitely not what we're for, and that's not what we do. Um, if you're thinking of calling a judge because it's supposed to, I don't know, intimidate uh, a player or uh, just, you know, put people on edge with their plays, uh, that's not what we're going to do. So don't bother. Yeah. So, okay. That's that's good. Let's let's move on to, to happier, easier questions. Happier, that. easier questions. Um, this actually comes from a, a fellow set of podcasters um, oh, called great. Scrubland. Uh, they are um, devoted more to the competitive arena. And uh, they've just recently sort of gotten off the ground. They sent us a couple questions. Um, one in particular regarding the top eight of Pro Tour Amsterdam. Actually, yeah, Pro Tour Amsterdam and and actually Grand Prix Portland especially. Um, because Grand Prix Portland is a sealed event and you have a top eight that's a draft, right. they want to know why isn't it seated first plays eighth, second plays seventh, third plays fourth, or third plays sixth, and, and fourth plays fifth. Why wasn't the, the seating done that way? 
uh, for the top eight. Because if you look in the tournament organizer's handbook, that's what it says you should do. Right. Um, and I guess the, the short answer to that question, well, do you, know, do, you, do you understand why that would be, why they would change that? No idea. No idea? Okay, well, it's actually, it's actually a pretty simple one. And that is that they don't want you to game the draft. They don't yeah. want you to don't, don't want you to, to collude for the draft, uh, where you would actually be you know where you're going to sit based on the standings in top in top eight, and therefore you say okay I'll go I'll, I'll force blue you force green and we'll fight over black and red and white you know we don't want to get into that at all we want to keep that from happening and the easiest way to do that is to seat people randomly for the top eight draft. Now in a constructed event those should still be paired first and eighth second and seventh etc. for the top eight bracket, um, but for a, a limited event, this is the way that we're going to end up doing that. So, And now you're saying that that is not written anywhere in the tournament organizer? The tournament organizer's handbook is an outdated, outdated yes. document. Um, it's something that hasn't been revised since 2007, yep. um, and it really does need a revision sometime in the near future, I would think. Um, now, I hope I'm not just volunteering myself for that by saying that, but it is something that, that probably needs some, needs some revision. Okay. Yeah, we have one other rules question, and then we'll get into our contest. And this comes from Lou. And Lou didn't tell me where he's from. I know where Lou's from. Where's Lou from? Lou is from Miami. Miami? Wow. Because he's a friend of mine who uh, asked me this rules question, and I was at work, very busy, didn't, okay, couldn't just, answer. Just, I said, right into JudgeCast, I'll answer it. You know, I get a lot of rules questions, just at random times, like text messages at work, that sort of thing. I'm like, I, I, I Half can't. Half of them from me? No, not from you, like from other people. But Okay, yeah, you too, but... Um, okay, so Lou's question regards Temporal Aperture. Now, Temporal Aperture is a card from Urza's Saga, right? Yep. Um, and it's uh, basically an active. It has an activated ability that makes you reveal that top card. You shuffle. You shuffle your library right. and then reveal the top card. And you can play that card without paying its mana cost until end of turn. As, until end of turn, as long as it's on the top of your library. Um, so, the, if he activates the ability, does that mean that he can play, for instance, a, a sorcery? or a creature card during his opponent's turn. Oh, right. Because if he activates it during his opponent's turn, it's telling him that he can play this until the end of the turn uh, without paying its mana cost. So he's actually read in forums that people go both ways on this question. Right. um, And wants some resolution of it. Um, And he, as a comparable card, uses Gin of Wishes as another card to to show us here. Well, Gin of Wishes is a little different because when Gin of Wishes, when that ability resolves, part of that resolution is you playing the spell. Right. It says, play this card, do it now. Do it now. That's what it's telling you to do. So it's giving you you that free pass with Gin of Wishes. Right. So you're saying that Temporal Aperture then doesn't. Temporal Aperture doesn't. It says that you can play it without paying its mana cost Mm-hmm. Until end of turn, right? What what it does when it resolves is it sets up this this uh, delayed trigger. Well, well, it's not a delayed trigger. It's actually it's an ability with a duration. That's right. that's the key to this here. That, that's what is I that meant. The the ability has a duration because it has a duration because it specifies how long it works for. That ability only works in that window, but you have to obey all the other timing restrictions for when you can normally play right. play that type of spell. Right. And and the thing that gets people confused is because there's there's no real delineation between the two well, on the, the it, surface. Right. And it, it, in the rules, too, there's no specific rules that cover this aside from the basic rule of when you can do things and when you can't. Right. You do things when the rules tell you to do them, and you can do them every other time when the rules allow it. Um, so, for instance, Gin of Wishes, you do it when it says to do it because it's telling you to do it. Right. Um, you cast the spell then without paying its mana cost. You do it. 
but temporal aperture says you may until the end of the turn. So because it's giving you this duration, you need to abide by all the timing restrictions. So you right. can't do this and play a sorcery on your opponent's turn. Yeah, it's it's totally it's it's totally confusing. It's one of those things like those little corner cases. They don't do this very often because they don't want you to play stuff for free. But really, like it's hard to discern on the surface the difference between a card like Gin of Wishes, which is mm-hmm. telling you do this right now, right, versus you may do something later. Well, and, and giving things a duration for this is, uh, it's not common in newer cards. Right. A lot of the newer cards that do this, uh, that allow you to play this these cards without paying their mana cost, um, they do them then and there in the resolution of the spell or ability. Like, Brilliant Ultimatum is a good example. Right. You get to choose which cards in the stack your opponent divides them into. You get to choose which cards you get to play, but you do it then and there. Yep. Um, the, the doing it then and there is a pretty common templating now for these newer cards. Right. When you see it in older cards, if it specifies a duration, you need to abide by timing restrictions. Right. And if it doesn't, go well, you know, then it'll probably tell you to do it then and there. Right. Um, yeah. and, and in which case you don't need to worry about timing restrictions because those are over, that ability is actually overriding. Yeah, it's actually it's actually kind of related, um, sort of uh, thematically to a card like Twin Cast or now Reverberate. Hmm. Um, because a lot of people think that when you play that card after it resolves, you get to play the spell, which oh. is see, which is not true. Right? It's actually your your create. Okay, I see what you're saying with the thematic. D- yeah, it's thematic. Yeah. It's not actually rules related, but thematically, it's that it's that sort of thing. Right? It, because it's it's the difference between creating a copy of a spell on the stack right. and actually having the copy just be boom created on the stack versus creating a copy of a card like with Isochron Scepter and being able to cast that. Right. That's that's a very different different sort of terminology, um, and it's also I think tough because a lot of players are used to now at least the the language being you can cast a spell right and when a card uses this revealing from the top of the library like Gin of Wishes and like Temporal Aperture they use the word play even now because you can get lands that way yep um, but so, again you need to obey all the restrictions for instance with Gin of Wishes. If you activate Gin of Wishes and the top card's a land, uh-huh. I hope you did that on your main phase. Oh, because absolutely. otherwise, you, you wouldn't be able to play it. Even with, and, a, even with a ley line of anticipation, you wouldn't right. be able to do it. Yep. And um, it's also your land. When oh, you yeah, play it counts it, as your land drop. Absolutely. Right. So when you play it, you're playing it. It's not putting it into play. For instance, while the vocation, you reveal something at random. If it's a land, it says you put it into play. It doesn't say you play that land. Right. So you still get a land drop. That and, and, and this is one of those disambiguation issues that they didn't really resolve with the M10 changes. Right. Between playing and putting something into play, you still have that issue because lands are involved in these. Right. So, okay. So, okay, we've, we've spent... So now. there you go, Lou. Shout out. <laughs> so we've got now... We've answered a bunch of questions. Um, one of our listeners is actually um, the benefactor for our next contest. But before we get into the next contest, let's get into our last. I got to say a big thank you to everybody who entered. Uh, It was awesome reading these stories. I think that there's a lot of people who entered who had their heart in the right place. Yeah, I I didn't feel like people were answering just because they wanted packs. Right. Uh, We got a couple answers that were were not maybe as interesting or as creative. You know, people saying, I want to draft with them. Well, that's nice. Yeah. But it's not quite... What, what else are you going to do with them, Well, Sean? let's see. Here's one entry that I don't think is going to win, uh, but we should actually mention. And this is from Adrian in Williamstown, Massachusetts. He wants to use them with his high school students to hold a small Iron Man Pack Wars tourney. Which, which, by the way, this is one of, one of the ones that I really liked. Uh, I, unfortunately, like I don't know if giving the packs is right for this one, 
but I did love the theme of it. I, yeah, it's it's Iron it's, Man for for people who don't know is that, when a card would uh, leave the battlefield, other than going to its owner's hand, right? Other than going to its hand, if it goes to the graveyard or is exiled, you rip it up. Right? There's you no destroy the card. Yeah, so disentomb not so good in in Iron Man, right? Because there's no graveyard. Yeah, generally speaking, reanimation is a bad strategy. Yeah. Um, so dredge very bad. <laughs> Just yeah. put them in a shredder. But, but, but so the, the uh, <laughs> yeah. So holding an Iron Man, I mean. I understand the feeling, of, but these packs, we're hoping that, I mean, we don't expect you to cherish them as your prized possessions, but destroying them is also not one of our objectives. Here. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. Like, um, you know, we're going for more like community building, things like that. This is, you know, so just doing events, I think, uh, is not very good, especially when you are going to destroy the packs that you get. I think mm-hmm. other people would be like, man, I would have done the same thing, except I wouldn't have destroyed them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Okay. Well, let's let's go with a couple of the other. Let's talk about a couple of the other entries here. Alex. Um, Alex is from Israel. Uh, he's training for certification. Uh, he's been listening to all our shows. So, why does he want these packs? Well, he lives um, in a town in Israel, and during the last couple of years, he's had some problems with the magic importers in Israel, ending up with the main distributor To uh, volunteering to take up the role since the last two he feels just didn't care about magic and probably wanted to take over the competition. This whole endeavor has had devastating repercussions in the national magic community. Uh, pre-releases for Rise of the Eldrazi were down in about half when, when you compare them to shards, say. Um, and he, uh, with you know the new importer and distributor, T.O., are trying to rebuild, and one of the best ideas is a magic class to kids that he, he's come up with. Is a this new basically to get new players in general here there in his town. Now the cards that he wants are, are relatively modern, but some of them that he's using have outdated terminology, um, and basically he wants to uh, show off multicolored concepts, that sort of idea. And that's it. That is what the shards packs that we have have. And uh, let's see. And he's also a grad student, so there's no way he could afford buying the packs for them. Um, but of course, well, he says maybe he could do a triple saviors draft, but that would just put them off playing magic. So, <laughs> oh um, man, so they do have is, Japanese saviors, right? <laughs> well, that would be hard for them to read, also. Um, okay, so that's Alex's entry uh, from Israel. So that's that's a that's a worthy uh, contender that's, right that's there. Not he a wants bad one, to, yeah. He I mean, wants to help. Uh, we have to ship the packs to Israel. So this is this is not a, not turning into a cheap endeavor. Let's right. let's see what else we have here though. Uh, Raziel, I don't know Raziel or someone else like that. Um, that's a cool name. Where's yeah. Raziel? Uh, he doesn't say where he's from. No. Um, he but we have to come up with a country. Well, Raziel, I mean, I don't know. Where, where do you think Raziel would be from? Oh, that's such a cool name. Yeah, I'm thinking somewhere interesting like Sweden. Raziel My, from Sweden. Right. Um, so basically, he gave one of his old roommates uh, some promotional decks, and including an old fairies deck, and he wants to coax him into the game and uh, get him into buying his own packs. Um, and of course... <laughs> He says he's willing to send pictures of himself, his friend, and the transaction because, of course, how are we going to know if they actually do with it what we're asking them to do? That, that's true. And I really would love, like, whoever gets these packs mm-hmm. to, to give, give us some feedback. Like, we, we're giving you these packs because we, we want to help you help your own community. Right. So we, we are happy to give you a chance to advertise that right, on like our it, show. Like, so if whatever you do with these packs, take video, take pictures, audio, whatever yeah, you we'll got, put them up on Facebook and we will put them up on Facebook. So yeah, I, I would love to see that. Okay, so let's let's move on to our other another entry here. This is from Michael from a casino in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, I can hear the, the machines in the background there. He wants to teach his seven-year-old and his wife how to draft. His son loves the game. We Winston draft when we can, but I need to teach him how a real draft is done. And also, uh, his wife has been playing Magic since they got married, but not really into the game. Right. Uh, he's introduced her to drafting, and she loves it, so it'd be nice to draft. The concern I have is that the packs that we have, you know, there's shards block, but, um, but yeah, there's none of that middle set there. So let's read up a couple of the other entries that we've got. <laughs> we, have, we have Billy from Los Angeles, and he says, uh, My friends and I have recently followed Jonathan Nadina's Packs to Power request, uh, and we really want, enjoyed it and want to start our own little competition. We each open a pack of the same set. And after a set amount of time, each of us who has the best binder uh, from the single pack wins. Uh, we wouldn't be able to trade, you know, uses the same packs to power idea that is that you keep trading up uh, for various more valuable things until you get to some pinnacle of whatever you want. So um, he also says <laughs> uh, we wouldn't be allowed to accept free cards or buy cards in addition to this binder. Um, we have this great idea, but we haven't kicked it underway. Blame it on being poor college students, or simply being lazy, but I need those packs. Right. So are we going to reward poor or lazy? I think also the concept of trading, you know, giving somebody something and saying, here you go, now go trade poorly with other people and take advantage of them to trade up. I mean, granted, that's not only the only thing Jonathan Medina was doing. He was showing people how to get value from their trades and how to assess value and the differences from value one place to another in terms of, of trading right. and and you know, some people wouldn't be able to play Magic were not for some of that trading and some of the abilities to to you know get into competitive circles that way. My feeling on it is that I don't think that's where these packs belong. Right, and I'll tell you, I loved uh, John Medina's uh, articles. It was really awesome to see him go through that. Um, his articles are very insightful to trading, to you know, this sort of con- financial aspect of Magic. Um, which really, you know, it's kind of been a sideline, but I think is is brought more to the forefront because of his efforts, Kelly Reed uh, doing quiet speculation. I think that they're pushing the financial matters into the forefront. Mm-hmm. But but that said, um, well, Kelly I, Reed's a fan of ours on Facebook too. I noticed. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, awesome. yeah, he's so he's he a shout out. Well, yeah, he's he's a great uh, and great and writer. I actually I actually read quiet speculation. I like I like that uh, that uh, he's tackling something that really not a lot of people are is the financial aspect. Well, of he tackles ethics also ethics and yep. trading ethics as a dealer ethics as a store uh, a lot of those things he gets yeah. into because because it is dicey. There's there's a difference between you know how you value your cards versus how somebody else values their cards. Like you know I have a bunch of extra rares. I don't mind trading a bunch of, of value for the things that I want, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think I have a problem when you know that you're getting a free ride and you go along with that. Yeah, I think that there's a certain line you can cross there. Yeah. Definitely. So, so so I think I think uh, I agree with you. I think we're going to stay away from that. So let's look on to this next entry. This comes from Steve in Connecticut. Uh, and Steve says, here's what I'll do with these packs should I win them. The first thing I will do upon the arrival of the prize packs in my mailbox will be to organize all of my high school band director friends to join their marching bands together with the Shriners in their little cars to have the largest pack prize parade, that's right, P3, in the history of New England. This parade will serve not only to rejoice in the gracing of Ricky's bounty on our humble corner of the country, but will also raise awareness of magic in general and hopefully increase the size of the player base. 
With this massively swelled pool of players and the aid of any judges in this area, I will host a tournament to raise funds for the peace mission of biblical proportions. Millions of dollars raised by this event will be evenly distributed among various charities, including the Salvation Army, Goodwill, American Cancer Society, and the Steve Needs a Set of Baneslayers Fund, among others. Enough of the funds will be retained to charter the supersonic airline, the Concorde, which is actually out of service, by the way, and one supermodel bikini babe per prize pack to transport me and the packs to the Middle East for a peace summit. While leading the summit, I'll have the bikini babes teach the various leaders how to play magic using those prize packs. As they discover the joy of the game, they'll discover a mutual understanding and draft a treaty that brings peace to the Middle East. Draft a treaty? Draft a treaty. Ha ha ha. Yeah, good pun there. With the political sway that I gained from this summit, I'll organize all the world leaders and put together a commission to build a, the real Enterprise D, which Sir Patrick Stewart, the Bikini Babes, and I will travel no faster than Warp 5 to maintain the fabric of the subspace uh, boundary, of course, of course, of course, to the nearest alien world. We'll then teach them to play magic, bringing the game to the entire galactic empire and peace to the Milky Way. Through our travels, we'll collect the greatest advances in medical technology from across the galaxy and bring them back to Earth, curing all cancers, psychological diseases, and the athlete's foot. With this newfound freedom from the tyranny of illness, mankind's brightest minds with the aid of Sir Patrick Stewart, the Bikini Babes, and I will discover the secrets of the universe and finally answer the ultimate question of the meaning of life. I thought we already knew the answer to that, though. 42? Yeah. So I don't know why he's even writing Okay, so he says also, so there you have it. If I win the packs, all wars will end, disease will be cured, and mankind will be enlightened with ultimate truth. And then I'll play some limited with my nine-year-old stepson, who's learning to play magic, and who gets very excited every time he gets to open a pack. So um, that's, that's Steve in Connecticut. I, I, I appreciate his effort. I think that was very creative. I, I think, you know, I didn't know that Steve was so driven over there in Connecticut. I think that he should totally get packs. I mean, he doesn't even need our packs. If no. he can do all this with, with what, how many packs? We had nine packs. Uh-huh. He should just go out and buy nine packs. I think, I think it's the, on him that, to do this. I think the rest of us deserve his dedication, and I think he should just do that. I, I think you're right. I think, yeah, honestly, that, that, if that he doesn't sense. do this, I think that we can hold him accountable for everything else that goes wrong in the world from here on. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well... So, so Steve in Connecticut, um, that's that's how it's going to go down. Um, you don't get our packs, but you should definitely get your hands on some because otherwise, we're just going to blame you for everything. Yeah, it's true. Okay. And, and P.S. I want to ride that Enterprise too. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hang out with Patrick Stewart, of course, not the Bikini Babe. I mean, yeah, that's no. that's a nice side. Thing. Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> so next up, Zach from Jacksonville, Florida. Um, until this summer, he hadn't played Magic since Lorwyn. Um, and he came back with a vengeance with World Wake and started to build a small community, took his rules advisor test and passed, and he's become the de facto rules advisor in the group, rules guy, go-to guy. And because of this, um, his group is growing bigger. He's had uh, three or four new players at the same time, um, getting existing players and managing to teach them all to nearly basically double the play group. They've really expanded their play group. Um, and... Um, he's getting people to play. It sounds like a you know not just draft, but a g- variety of formats. Um, you know, cube, EDH, that sort of thing. Mini um, master. Anyway, it, what he's saying is he didn't play it all during Alara. So, um, and the play group that he's a part of here that he's trying to grow doesn't have anything from Alara, uh-huh. uh, commons and commons anything. Um, so they could definitely use the card uh, for the budding community or the cards for the budding community. That that is pretty cool. Uh, congratulations to him uh, on passing his rules advisor. So he he sounds like he's heading that community. So hopefully he'll keep moving on to 
Absolutely. Uh, to Judgehood. Okay. Okay. So um, let's see. Well, let's see. What else do we have here? We have uh, Steve from Wisconsin. Um, if I was to receive these packs, I would give them to the son of a great magic player who passed away earlier this year. Todd Davis was a great magic player in the Milwaukee area. So Steve is from Wisconsin. Todd Davis was a great magic player in the Milwaukee area and greatly loved. His son just started playing magic and no longer has his father to teach him this great game. I would think it'd be, it would be great if uh, I could win these cards so that I could give them to him. So that's, that's Steve. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty straightforward uh, entry there. Um, definitely tugs at the heartstrings and feel feel something for that guy too. Yeah. So as you can see, we've got a lot of a lot of good entries here. Um, let's see. Okay. Also, Timothy from the UK huh? um, wants to answer here. He helps run a local games club, which um, is having Magic being introduced to it. So it's other games, not just Magic. Cool. Uh, they've had some drafts, um, and the funds for both drafting and prize support can be hard to raise. Uh, so it's basically as a nonprofit organization, it's hard to raise the funds to buy a box to do the thing. Right. Um, and I know that actually in Europe, the packs do cost a fair bit more than they do here. Uh, when they, when European players come over, they always try to buy boxes from, from, uh, stores and people here because they're a lot cheaper here. Okay, Jose. So we have one other, one other entry here that we want to read. Uh, let's just read it from the beginning, I guess. Hi, my name is Debbie and I live in Orlando, Florida. Ah, Florida. Right, near the mouse. Um, so, she played Magic the Gathering around 1995 and again around 2001, although she never really got into it in a big way. But in March of this year, she found a meetup group uh, for Magic at a local game store, which is actually Cool Stuff Games, which, if I remember correctly, is our uh, sponsor or at least helps host Manor Nation. And so they, they, they don't really sponsor us directly. They don't pay us at all, but... They help out Mana Nation, and so they, in, in turn, by proxy, kind of, yeah, help us too. Um, <clears throat> so she found a fantastic playgroup that has gotten her totally hooked on the game and those who play it. The group is extremely diverse, with everything from typical magic-playing college student to the meetup originators, uh, older guys with families who have played since Alpha. One of them is a level one judge, and I'm curious to know who that is, um, and four of the playgroup are current or past podcasters, including the hosts of the Avant Card Show and MTG Radio podcast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the Avant Card Show especially uh, sounds pretty fantastic. I, from the, the episodes that I've listened to in the past of theirs, they were, they were really a great, great crew, really interesting. Um, kept it engaging um, and, and did it differently than a lot of the other magic, casts, magic podcasts out there, I think. So they got them, they, they got her listening to and hooked on JudgeCast, which. So. <clears throat> After a couple of months with the group, during which I bought many boxes of the last few sets, my judge friend convinced me that I should start buying play sets instead. However, I still like cracking packs, so I bought a box of every core and expansion set from Shards onward and put them into a prize pool known as the Bag of Packs, <laughs> from which I give out 15 or so packs every Wednesday night. Because it's primarily a casual multiplayer group, we wanted to keep the group from becoming too spiky, so we adopt rules similar to the EDH League rules. And we give out packs based on fun and sometimes arbitrary rules. Each time we meet, I pull out 15 pack pebbles, which are cool glass counters, and each game they're won by a player who meets a certain win condition. Sometimes it's the person who can go the longest without using a personal pronoun. Sometimes it's 
first player to get the certain configuration of the cards in place. So it's a lot of the same sorts of things that Sheldon uses in Tampa with his EDH league there um, at Armada Games. It sounds like a very similar sort of situation, but applied not just to EDH in this case. It sounds like a perfect perfect opportunity to give out things like the WPN foils, those sorts of things. Right. Um, so, um, so, and sometimes they give out a bonus pack for just doing something really cool, creative combo, group hug decks, those sorts of things. Um, so whoever wins the pebble trades it for a free pack from the set of his or her choice. And uh, they've actually had some uh, pretty amazing packs. I guess one person got a Vengevine and a Primeval Titan in the same night. Wow. So that's good times. Um, good times. So everyone's been really appreciative of the pack prizes in the last couple of months. And, you know, they started off small, and now they've got something like 20 people showing up on a regular basis. They even have some women in the group come out fairly regularly, and they're starting to take over the store on Wednesday nights. So that's, it sounds like they're really successfully growing here. So the last show, um, they want to, she explains kind of our, our contest, and she describes it pretty accurately here. We want the packs to go to someone who is trying to improve the magic community. I hope I've already been doing that on a local level. And I think it'd be great if, in addition to the packs we were already giving out, I could give out a special pack or two every couple weeks from the JudgeCast crew. Many of our playgroup are JudgeCast fans. I think they'd be really excited to win a pack from you guys. Wow, that's I I I like that one on a lot of levels actually. Um, when I got to Sacramento, uh, the way I met people playing magic is through meetup.com. I went yeah. to the Sacramento. You remember because well, you were there. That's how I met you. Yeah, that's that's how we met. So actually, that's that's kind of cool that that she met this play group through meetup.com. That's pretty, you know, strikes me on a personal chord there. Um, so I I do like that. I also like it because it's a community that's like she's already been doing this. Like it's already growing, and right. it feels like. It, it's like we're not starting. We're not being the reason that she's going to start developing the community. She's right. already put in this time, and she kind of is just reaching out. And this is just helping her along a little bit, not, exactly. not necessarily getting her started from scratch. I think that's that's an, an important decision to kind of make here with these packs. I mean, granted, you know, it, it's a set of packs. It's not a ton of packs, and it's not just a, a tiny bit like one person's random prize. Right. Um, but it's it's something that... You know, we can't really. There's not enough here for us to give them to somebody and say, "Okay, this is what you need to start your community." Right. It's just not. I mean, there's no way we can do that. Right. That's true. Um. <clears throat> so I think that's a good. That's a good uh, way to think about this. Yeah. That's that. So are you Are you saying that Debbie wins our pro, um, wins our contest here? I I think I, I. You know, it's hard to make a call because everybody who wrote in just has a great story and mm-hmm. you know well, if i could i would give them each you know a box to start their own draft and a bar- box to go off and do these amazing things because it sounds like there's really i mean to me this is more than giving away an individual set of packs this to me indicates that our listeners are freaking awesome yeah um and that they've got a lot of heart and a lot of interest in building their community um regardless of you know whether it takes you know nine packs to do that um, you know, that's that's another question. But it's fantastic to see this outpouring of, of really strong interest in building communities. That's, yeah. That's fantastic. I, I totally agree. And I think be, because of those reasons, I, I would vote for Debbie. Okay. I would vote well, for Debbie. And, and you know, if I, I think the, the easiest way to go about this is a ranked choice voting system. But because we only have two votes here, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying with that. And I, I think at the end of the day, yeah, I, I'm going to vote for Debbie also. Um, I think that there's a lot of good stuff going on there. Glad to see a, a good, diverse community growing. Um, 
and you know, it's while there are other stories that really, you know, were really well written and really um, have their hearts in exactly the right places. I, I think this is it's one of the toughest calls I've had to make on on one of our contests here. Yeah, definitely. Because it, essentially, you have to end up saying no to some people that really that really deserving yeah. too. Um, in some ways, I wish we had asked an easier question. At the same time, it, I, I'm really glad we did. I'm really yeah. glad we did ask this because it, it really gives me a lot more insight into our our, our listenership and the, the communities that you know that we're a part of. You're letting us talk right into your ear here. So um, okay, so I, I think uh, Debbie will get in touch with you and uh, we'll make sure you get those packs. Congratulations! Yeah. And um, you know you gotta they they want to give out special judge cast packs, so we gotta like. We'll, we'll, I don't know, we'll, sign them or something. Yeah, we'll figure out something so that they know it's a Judge Cast pack and not some random pack of. So when you crack that Sovereigns of Lost Alara, you know, three weeks after the pre release for the set that rotated it out of standard. Uh, well, that's another thing, actually, about Debbie's entry is that it sounds like they don't care necessarily that it's standard legal or not. Yeah, that's true. I think, I think our prize fits hers the best, like what yeah, she's doing. I think it's a good match. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's, that's one contest down. That's one contest down. Now, we had a very generous listener um, who's given us an opportunity to provide you with another contest. We want to pass this free stuff along to some of our listeners here, um, and we want to make sure that it gets to the right hands because it's, um, it, it's something that not everybody can use, but hopefully more people than are using it now will use it, uh, assuming that it's a good thing. Right. Uh, now I'm being really cryptic here. Um, what it is is an iPhone app, and uh, one of our listeners here, uh, there are a number of programs out there for the iPhone, a number of apps for the iPhone that um, various people have written, and uh, one of our listeners has written one, and he uh, decided to come back to us and say, well, um, why don't you guys give this a test run? Tell me what you think of it. Um, you know, we, we Give it a shout out and see, what, see how it runs for you guys. And you guys can download it for free, and you can have a few listeners download it for free also. Just make sure it gets into the right hands. So that's what this contest is all about. Um, The idea with um, this this, uh, app, it's called the, uh, he's just calling it the MTG Guide. It works for iPhone and iPad. So you have to have one of those in order to enter. Okay, which which here. which excludes me. I have a, a BlackBerry. I have a very old BlackBerry. All right. Well, and call it a Pruneberry. Let me know when you get into this century in terms of technology. Hey, I, um, I've been wanting to, but you know, it's this this thing is great. It's got keys. Yeah, I don't need keys for my Key, I've keys. Got are awesome. Um, and I, actually, he brings this to us because we were uh, in the last uh, podcast. I guess we we actually mentioned uh, MTG Judge, which is Alexei Gusev's iPhone app. Uh, this is another one similarly that he's designed for uh, as a reference tool for judges and players. Um, and really, he, he's trying to get a lot more feedback on where this should go, if there's more things that can be added to it, that sort of thing. Now, I haven't personally downloaded it yet and checked it out. Um, I will, using one of the codes he sent us. But uh, I wanted to put this out there for our other listeners to do. Um, so, uh, right now, he's asking like three bucks for the app. So that's really what this prize would be worth. Like right. It's like giving you a pack, I guess, sort of. Yep. Um, and so, we have a few codes. Um, so let's say we can give out. Let's say we can give out five. Yep, we can give out five, um, five different codes to uh, listeners who enter and ask for the code, um, and 
what do you think our criteria should be? What should be the contest? What do they have to give us to be one of those five people? Well, I know you had a great idea for this. Okay. You um, worded this so elo- eloquently. I, I, I think... Uh, well, and really, this was the, the iPhone app writer's... Um, got me got this idea into my head because he is from Australia. He actually is from Australia. Wow. He's not he's not just saying he's from Australia or Antarctica just to say it. He's actually from there. Um, <clears throat> so when Michael mentioned that, uh, he's been talking to judges in the Melbourne area about improving this app, I thought, well, you know, it, it really means that we have some global reach. And, and actually, if you look on our, our, our Facebook um the countries that we have fans in from from on Facebook there, uh, by the way, two hundred sixty eight, fantastic, love you all. Um, I I gave them each and every one of them a hug. Apparently, yes, I, I saw that 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 post. It it, it chafed ago. my nipples, but it was worth it. <laughs> okay, um, even though you're going to be editing this one, I need you to take that one bit of audio, and that is going to be the. Ken Nagel quote for this podcast <laughs> forever. The the it chafed your nipples. That that we're going to use that. That's so applicable it, to it, judging, it, really. It, it, <laughs> just like Ken Ninja Nagel. suit chafed my nipples. <laughs> right. Just like Ken Nagel used uh, is used always love the fatties. Right, exactly. Man, um, I love that quote. Oh God. Okay. Um, anyway, really, I think what this whole process in, in, in hearing this back from from Michael who wrote the, this app again uh, it gives me a sense that judgecast really has a global reach and and actually you know this is kind of uh, redeemed a little bit in, in that we'll be going to worlds and we'll be recording at worlds and and you know talking a little bit about that too um, so I think what we should do is we should have um, judges or other people that are part of our Facebook group um, or that are fans of us on Facebook we want you to post your photos of you in the judging community, in, in and not just in the judging community, but if there's another way that you're a part of your community, um, a part, that, a way that you contribute, <clears throat> a way that you contribute to magic in general, um, in your area, and how you do that. If it's just working at the pre-release for Char, you know, for Scars of Mirrodin, or if it's um, you know, you, you holding up some trophy that you've won at some great thing, and you're you know with a judge there or something like that, show us those things. Where where are you and how? Show us the global reach of not just JudgeCast but the communities that we're getting in touch with through this effort. Um, and of course, you need to be someone who can make use of this, you know, make use of this app. So hopefully, we want to make sure that this gets into hands that can actually use it. Um, so I think that's a great great idea. Yep, perfect. Uh, just uh, you know, go on Facebook, uh, JudgeCast on there. Uh, if you're not a fan, fan us. And uh, show us your community. That's what we want to see. Yeah, just add a photo up there of where you are in your community and, and show us kind of what you've been doing up there. Yep, and tell and tell us where you're from. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if you can do that in the photo with like, you know, showing, you know, if you're in Paris and you happen to take a picture at Disneyland Paris or somewhere else, you're like, look, I'm playing Magic, you know, on a, you know, on a plane over the middle of the Atlantic somewhere. Well, that's fine, too. But, you know, wherever you're doing it, uh, wherever you're playing Magic. Um, and you know, building your magic community, um, judging or otherwise, um, we'd like to hear about it. So let's make that the contest. And basically, the five best, most interesting. Um, please make them all safe for work photos. Um, safe for Facebook. Something your grandmother would not be ashamed to have you 
you know, to see the top five of those, I think, should get this uh, get this code for this app. I totally agree. And if you tag Sean in your photo, the better. Oh, God, I'm going to remove tags left and right. <laughs> you can put him on anything, You know, as I, it ha- turns I had out. another Sean Catanese. There's another one out there. He tried to friend me on Facebook the other day. Uh, That's so he's weird. Kind of, he's kind of a weird frat boy, too. Really strange. Yeah. Any not, relation? Not that I know of. I mean, I, there's got to be somewhere, but not that I know of. Um, anyway, so we have that contest for you. And right now we're about an hour and a half into recording. Of course, Jose is going to cut all these parts out. Yeah, mm. it's going to be 15 minutes when I'm done with it. <laughs> so, okay, I think we have our, our show put together. What do you think? Uh, I'm I'm very happy with this show. I'm excited that we gave away all of Ricky's packs. Absolutely. I can, I can stop being sad every time I look at those shards packs. That's right. And even though we have we have not actually sent them, we can say we've awarded all of the packs before shards rotated. Yes. So from all of us here at JudgeCast... This is Sean Kenanese. Thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing to your communities in the way that you do. I keep it fair. And Jose Bovida, I keep it fun. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to call a judge.